in three, in two, in one. Hi, everybody. Tim Anderson here, the Appraiser's Advocate. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it very much. We're talking real estate appraisal, and we call this one Use Pap and Breathing Dust. In the neighborhood section of the 1004 form, there are four areas with various subparts the GSEs want to understand. These are the neighborhood characteristics with nine boxes to consider. Second, one unit housing trends with nine boxes to consider. Then there is one unit housing with six boxes to consider. And fourth, present land use with five boxes to consider. Then there's a minuscule amount of space for the appraiser to summarize three more areas of investigation. These are the neighborhood's boundaries, the neighborhood's description, and current market conditions in the neighborhood. So the appraiser must be able to answer up to 26 questions here. Then the appraiser must be able to summarize data and analyses in the other areas persuasively. These are not steps the duly diligent appraiser completes on the fly. Rather, the appraiser must have already completed the necessary research and analyses of those to be able to answer them in full. And this is before reporting them on the form. Now, look at the, quote, neighborhood characteristics, unquote. Here, the GSEs want to understand how built up the subject's neighborhood is as of the appraisal's effective date. They want to understand the current stage of the neighborhood's life cycle. Appraisers must understand these areas of analysis both broadly and deeply. This sphere of understanding and the ability to communicate it persuasively must also hold true in other areas. They must also hold true to summarize the one-unit housing trends, one-unit housing, and present land use percent. But there are three lines remaining to fill. These are where the appraiser explains the hows and the whys of the boxes she checked in the above areas. It is amazing that, given this opportunity, appraisers choose to fill these spaces with empty boilerplate and irrelevant generalities. Typically, the GSEs want to see one-unit housing trends and one-unit housing filled out vertically. This verticality means the physical, legal, and economic characteristics of the subject's neighborhood are what they normally are, all else being equal. But what happens when all other things are not equal? How is the appraiser to represent an atypical situation? For example, what happens when property values are stable, but marketing times are three months or less? This is not typical. Stable property values usually occur in epochs of stable marketing times. So, when there is an anomaly present, the appraiser explains the anomaly persuasively and logically. This is straightforward. The appraiser refers to the market data supporting the two anomalous contentions. Then the appraiser explains where she got the data. Next, she explains why they are relevant to the assignment's conclusions of exposure time, highest and best use, marketability, and market value. Then, using MLS data, the appraiser would refer to stable median sales prices over time. This explains the stability in values in a time of decreasing days on markets. This example describes how the appraiser reached these conclusions, not why the appraiser reached them. Nor does it explain why and how those conclusions impact the subject. Those explanations are the essence of analysis. It's our job to communicate what it is that affects value, as well as how and why. 
What happens if we merely report that the days on market estimate has decreased to 28 days from 33 days over the last three months? All we have done is to provide the client with facts, something an AVM or broker can do. We have not persuaded the client to believe us. We have yet to give the client, the public, any reason to trust us. So why did the days on market estimate decrease 15%? Which market forces caused these changes? Is the decrease to 28 days a trend or a one-off blip? Why? What is the market support for this conclusion? When we use market support for our opinions, we give the client reason to believe us over a faster and less expensive AVM. Now, how and why does the appraiser choose the neighborhood's boundaries? This is easier than most appraisers believe. First, you look for the naturally occurring divisions and boundaries. These are phenomena such as oceans, lakes, rivers, mountain ranges, deserts, and so forth. Now, engage in a simple analysis. What is the average days on market for the last three months in the subject's most proximate neighborhood on the other side of one of these divides? Or, how about absorption rate per month in the two neighborhoods? Or even the immediacy of repairs between the two neighborhoods? This means a comparison of what buyers do in the subject's neighborhood versus in that neighborhood just across the divide. In the subject's neighborhood, do new buyers do little once they move in? Or, once they close escrow, do they go all property brothers on the house? All three of these indices give the appraiser reason to believe or modify the boundaries they first chose arbitrarily. On the one-unit housing section is the appraiser's summary of the absolute range of values in the subject's neighborhood. Here is where the appraiser communicates there are a few million-dollar-plus houses in the neighborhood because they're on a lake. But most of the other houses here are not lakefront, thus are significantly less expensive. This difference is mostly due to the differences in the value of a vacant lakefront site versus the value of a non-lakefront site. There are also maybe some differences in the Q and C ratings of the houses on the lake. Given these explanations, the appraiser must explain why the subject is under or over-improved when it is different from the neighborhood's predominant value. It's incumbent on the appraiser to explain this persuasively using relevant facts and logic. Merely to state this is to fail to market support the conclusion. Now the appraiser moves to a brief summary of land use percentages. This portion of the 1004 form is not particularly important. Its importance, therefore, is what the data foreshadow. Suppose 75% of the land in the subject's neighborhood is vacant. The GSEs want to know why it's vacant and what will eventually improve it. This information is not available through the local MLS. But to claim it is not thus available is no reason to omit its analysis. This information is available easily. It may take a few phone calls to the local planning office. The appraiser may have to study and analyze the future land use plan. It may be necessary to expend some time money, and even shoe leather to gather them, but they are publicly available. Some appraisers say that, on the agreed-on fee, they can't go to this depth of analysis. These appraisers do not understand that first the appraiser sets the fee. If the AMC's fee is too low to complete the assignment ethically and credibly, then the appraiser reopens negotiations to earn an appropriate fee. 
If the AMC refuses to compensate the appraiser properly, then the appraiser should decline the assignment. It's that simple. Second is the state appraisal board doesn't care what the appraiser's fee is. A state's appraisal board looks at two areas. Did the appraisal comply with standard one? Did the report comply with standard two? If both of these answers are yes, the appraiser has no problems. If either of the answers is no, then the appraiser has problems. And their solution will cost far more than the original appraisal fee. Next, the appraiser summarizes the neighborhood's description. Here, the GSEs want a summary of the neighborhood's architecture, building styles, street patterns, and so forth. What the GSEs specifically look for are in section B4-1.3-03. This is the neighborhood section of the appraisal report under neighborhood analysis. Go to one of your own past appraisal reports. In this section of the report, did you analyze and then summarize all the data and information the GSEs seek here? If not, why? Is what you put in this section of the report just the boilerplate you include in every other report? Why? It is clear what the GSEs want and need. So why do we not provide it to them? When we know what they want, but provide them with boilerplate instead, are we misleading them in any way? Finally, the form seeks a summary of market conditions, including support for the subject's neighborhood boundaries and conditions. Fannie Mae's selling guide calls for the factors that, quote, affect the value and marketability of properties in the neighborhood, unquote. What this means is that the GSEs want to understand the proximity of the subject's neighborhood to, for example, employment and amenities. They want to understand not only if employment is stable, but why it is stable. They want to understand if it will remain so in the future. They want to understand why the housing in the subject's neighborhood appeals to the market. They want to understand how long this appeal will endure. Are there any ongoing or planned changes to land use in the neighborhood? Why? When? Which current land uses will change to other land uses? What are the market forces behind these changes? The GSEs want to know about any adverse environmental issues, too. Too many reports come in from Southern California, for example, and they never mention earthquakes, smog, mudslides, tax disadvantages, or water shortages. Why? Are these not adverse environmental conditions that impact a property's market value? Granted, the influence earthquakes, etc. have on real estate are already built into the prices at which the houses here trade. But despite the fact these environmental issues are built into a house's price, is it not wise to mention them? So let's close the logic loop and return to where we started. When the client is a GSE, it expects the appraiser to explain who, what, where, when, why, and how the factors that affect real estate values in a particular neighborhood actually affect value. There is no need to provide the GSEs with banal generalities. Those do not lead them to an understanding of what's happening in a given neighborhood at a given time. Really, the issue is that an AVM, a BPO, an evaluation, a broker can answer the client's questions. But only a persuasively written appraisal can lead the client to an understanding of the market forces in a given neighborhood at a given time. We appraisers have a leadership role. 
we lead the client to a state of understanding of what makes a neighborhood tick. So, are we going to accept this leadership responsibility, or are we going to support the status quota, which is what brought us, in the first place, to what our critics call, quote, appraisal modernization, unquote. If we appraisers want to be around in five years, we'd better take the lead. If we won't lead, then we'll have to breathe the dust of those who do. In that case, those who lead us will probably not have our best interests in mind, nor the best interests of the public. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I'm Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. Contact me at Tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. Go to my website, The Appraiser's Advocate, and check out my books. I think you'll find them interesting. And my YouTube channel, The Appraiser's Advocate, where we've got a lot of interviews with the movers and shakers of the real estate appraisal industry. Again, thank you for listening. I appreciate your time. And before we go, let me ask you one more question. Are your professional fees professional enough? Thank you. And now we're clear. <laughs>